Welcome to Wednesdays Together. What an amazing Easter weekend we had from Good Friday service to Easter services. And before I go any further tonight, I want to thank our incredible dream team. I want to give it up big, pat yourselves on the back. You guys are rock stars. You made it happen. And we're so grateful for all that you did to share the gospel message this past weekend. Amazing, amazing. Uh, speaking of the gospel, speaking of amazing, I've got a sweet little story that I heard I'd like to share with you. There's this little, this little kindergartner, and he was working so hard in class uh, on, this, on some very important project to him. And his teacher came over, and she, she looked at him, and she could tell that he was drawing something. And she didn't quite know what it was, so she asked him, hey, bud. What's that you're drawing? And he said, it's God. And she said, oh, it's God. And she said, um, but, but did you know that no one really knows what God looks like? And then he just looked up at her and then went right back to his work. And he says, well, they will in just a minute. <laughs> I loved that cute story. It reminded me of the beauty of the Easter message. And it was, and it still is, all about God coming to us. This invisible God that was far off, that was distant, he came to us. He became one of us, took on flesh and blood, fully God, fully man. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. Why don't you type that in the chat? He did it for me. He did because he loved us so much that he would not leave us in our sin. So he came to purchase us with his own blood. And in that moment, in that moment, humanity saw what God looked like because humanity saw God in the flesh face to face. And we have that blessed hope that one day we will see Jesus Christ face to face and be with him forever in eternity. If you are a believer, that is your most blessed hope. Is anybody grateful for that? I know I'm so grateful for that promise. You know, over these past couple of weeks, we've heard a lot about the gospel message. What does that mean, the gospel message? Well, the gospel is the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've also talked a little bit about what it means to apply the gospel to our own lives. And so when we do that, we, the way we do that is, first of all, you have to believe. <laughs> first of all, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ or nothing else matters, but you believe in Jesus Christ, that he is your Lord, that he is your Savior, that he is your soon coming King. You have belief in him. Scripture says you apply the gospel message by repenting, by being baptized, and by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you, you, you may be thinking, you've heard, you've heard a lot of these um, sort of sound bites in these messages the past two Sundays and now here again tonight. And you may be wondering, but what am I supposed to do with that? I mean, what exactly does that mean? I, I'm, I've, I've believed, I've put my faith in God, but what does it mean to take my next step in Him? Um, or maybe you have, you have taken your next step and you have received 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have been baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe you just want to have a better understanding of being able to explain the gospel to someone else. And so tonight, we thought there it would just be great if we could take the time tonight to unpack a little bit of that gospel message, of how we apply it to to our lives, specifically how baptism applies the gospel message to our lives. Because we know the gospel changes everything. And so we want to know how do we walk in the power of the gospel. So tonight I'm going to just share some things so that we can understand what exactly takes place spiritually when we are baptized. Now, for first things first, baptism, it's an act of obedient faith. Baptism is a response to God's grace. And I want to be very clear from the outset, baptism does not earn salvation. It is not, it's, it, we're not um, espousing a view that we are saved by works. We're only saved by the grace of God. We are baptized because we are commanded to do so in Scripture. We are baptized because that is our response to God's grace. That is our response to saving faith that He has given us. And it is one way that God has designed for us to apply His grace to our lives. Baptism in the name of Jesus signifies that we trust in Jesus alone as our Savior. We, we, there's no other way to God. There's no other path. There's no other journey that we can take. When we are baptized in the name of Jesus, it says that we identify with you, Jesus Christ, as our Messiah, as our King, and you are the only way to heaven. That's, that's the path that we are taking. So when we are baptized in the name of Jesus, it expresses the essence of saving faith. That's what that does. Since there's only one who could take away our sins, and that is Jesus Christ. It's not us. It's not our deeds. It's not the water. It's not the preacher, the, the water over there <laughs> in that tank, or maybe you baptized in a swimming pool, or maybe you were baptized in a river or an ocean or a hot tub or wherever you were baptized. There's nothing holy about the water what is holy is in is that act of obedience to scripture and calling or invoking that name of Jesus Christ over over us when we are baptized because in that in that moment at that point we call upon him in faith depending on him to do the work i wonder if anybody's grateful that we can trust in him we can have faith in him we can trust in him to do what only he will do for us amen i am so grateful for that now here is the truth that underlies all of this. We are all sinners. I know that's not something that's a popular message. I know that's not something that we really want to hear. It's not something that I wake up in the morning and and when I'm getting ready, I'm looking in the mirror. It's not a motivational speech that I give to myself. Hey, ready for a great day, you sinner? Hey, (laughs) that's not really something that I do to motivate myself. It's not a popular message in today's world and it's certainly not popular or well-received, often by our flesh. But the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is that our sin separates us from God. It creates this great gulf or this chasm between God and his goodness and us. 
That's what sin does. And there is nothing, there is nothing that we could do to fully atone or to make payment for our sins. You see, God is a just God and the wages of our sin is death. That's a hard pill to swallow. We earned a death penalty. However, God is not only just, God is loving and kind and gracious. And he knew that we could not make that payment. So he came to earth, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. And he lived a sinless life, but he suffered a most horrid, horrific death on the cross to buy back you, to buy back me. And so I'd like to read Colossians 2 verses 13 through 15. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all. Somebody say all. Why don't you type that in the chat? He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Praise God. I want to just thank him for the power of the cross, of his goodness, of his mercy in our lives, because that is the saving gospel message. And that's why we say, and that's why we believe that we absolutely are saved by God's grace. And apart from his grace, there is nothing, not one thing I can do to gain forgiveness and eternal life. So now that I've got that cleared up, now that we've got that taken care of, um, I, I, I wanted to establish very clearly that baptism is a response to God's grace. And it's only God's saving grace in our lives that can save us. And so baptism is a response to that. However, the gift that God has given must be accepted by each of us individually. It must be. Um, it's Many people will say, well, I was born a Christian. Well, I understand that sentiment. Uh, maybe you were born into a Christian family. Maybe you have a great Christian heritage or uh, a lineage of people who, who believed, but you were not born a Christian. You have to make a decision. You have to make a choice. You have to choose to accept the free gift that Jesus Christ gave. So how do we do that? We do that by believing. It's very simple. We do that by believing. It all starts with faith. John 3, 16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if I don't believe it, if I don't believe that truth, then none of the other things that we do in response to God's grace, really matter. They really don't. If I don't believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is my king and he is my savior, then if I decide to get baptized in those, uh, <laughs> in those warm, bubbly waters over there, you know, you know all that becomes? It just becomes a bath. That, that's really all, all that it is. I have to have faith. And so what is that faith and what is that belief? The belief is, I believe that Jesus really is God manifested in the flesh. I believe that he really did die 
on the cross for my sins. I believe that he really did rise again proving that death could not hold him and death cannot hold his believers. So that, that, is, that is what I'm signifying when I go down in the baptismal waters. Now, I, I want you to understand that according to scripture, belief isn't just here. Belief is here and belief is here. Do you know what I mean? Um, so belief is something that we believe. It's that sort of that head knowledge. It's something that we get in our heart. We get a conviction about. We, we uh, receive that. We understand it. But then we act it out. We walk in that truth of what belief is all about. It starts with the belief, but it does not end there. James 2.19 tells us what? That even the demons believe these things and they tremble. So what it means is that I must respond to this belief. And so that's what I really want to help us uh, be able to, to have, a, have a, firm, a firm grip of tonight, um, before, a firm grip on tonight or grasp of tonight before we leave. How do I do that? How do I respond to that belief? So you heard this in the message. We, we must, uh, on Sunday, we must repent. The Greek word for repent that is, that is used um, in passages throughout scripture, it literally means to change direction, to go another way. I was walking this way. I stop and now I walk back. I walk a completely different way. Okay. And what I find is that, as I said, this belief that started here, it moves here. It becomes more than just mental agreement, but it becomes something that's in my heart. It means that I'm convicted of my sins and I want to make a change. I'm tired of doing things my own way. I'm going to change directions. I'm going to go 180 and I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. You know, when the people asked Peter, what they must do to be saved. The Apostle Peter, on that very first sermon that was preached for the church, he told them, you need to repent. So he's like, hey, the way you have been going, it's not good. It's not good. You've been walking in your sin. So you need to, you need to, you know, they, they were confessing their belief. They said, now what do we do with that? He said, you need to stop and turn around, go a different way. That is what repentance is. And then he told them that you need to be baptized. And it's emphasized again in Acts 17 and 2 Peter. He emphasizes that it's necessary to repent. We know that. Um, Acts 17:30, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Why don't you type that in the chat? Thank God he's patient with me. <laughs> he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, mental understanding or belief, it then progresses to a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And so it goes from belief to repentance. And that makes it possible for us to enter into a covenant relationship with God. So why don't we talk about some specifics related to baptism that will help explain that covenant in, in our lives and as we join together um, in the body of Christ. So 
we we would say this is a pretty this is a pretty safe statement I could say um, there there are a lot of different views on baptism within Christianity but all most all groups in Christianity agree that the purpose of water baptism is to express faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior right no one says oh I'm going to get baptized uh, why um to show that I read my Bible through this year uh, um, or um, to show that um, I, I've prayed seven days in a row. So I, so I'm, that's really, it's just kind of just to demonstrate these sorts. Now, <laughs> no, it, all of Christianity agrees that the purpose of water baptism is to identify or to express faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He commanded it. The apostles lived it out. That's what we saw throughout the early church. It was part of that covenant initiation or part of becoming a Christian. And when the listeners on the day of Pentecost accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord, as their Savior, as their Messiah, they were all baptized. We see that. We will find that this wasn't just for those people there. It wasn't just because they were so terrible and they were so horrible and they needed their sins washed away, but we don't. No, no, no. That's, that's not what happened. What happened on that day actually set the precedent for you and for me and for how all people who followed after that would apply the gospel to their lives as part of the New Testament church. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 36. It says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's telling them, hey, you're, you're not guilt-free. He's reminding them, remember that part that I told you we don't want to hear? It's not really a motivational speech to know that you are a sinner. He's not only letting them know their sins, he like puts their sins on blast. Hey, that Savior, the one who died for your sins, yeah, you're the one who killed him. Um, But we want you to know, God has made him both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, verse 37, they were cut to the heart. They were so sorrowful. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you. Why don't you, why don't you type that in the chat? It's to me. It's for me. The promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. You may say, well, he said you. He was talking to them. Yeah, but if you keep reading, it's to you. And so it was to them. It was to their children and to all who are afar off. That's the you. That's the me. Okay. Verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. He's warning them again. Hey, this is the time to get right with God, to turn your life to him. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Wow. Wow. What a powerful, powerful story of the gospel in action. In this passage, people were genuinely sorry for what they had done. They were genuinely sorry for their sins, that they had killed Jesus. And they wondered, is it too late? They missed the Messiah. 
But could they still have a chance to follow him now? How could they be saved? Was there any hope for them? I know some of you under the sound of my voice, you've probably had some of those same thoughts. You probably had some of those same fears. Oh, Lord, I've done so many bad things. I've done so many terrible things. Is there any chance for me? Is there any hope for me? And Peter gave them the hope they were looking for, and they responded to Peter's message in faith, believing. Now they wanted to know how to apply that gospel. They responded in faith. They said, hey, we, we, we are sorrowful. What can we do? We believe. We know we were wrong. What can we do? And so now they wanted to apply the gospel message, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. They believed now they needed to turn from their sins by repenting. And then they needed to wash away those sins in that moment as well. And then in that, in that act of obedience, in, that, in those acts of surrender to the Lord, they were promised that they would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So how did they respond to that hope that Peter gave them? How did they respond to what he told them? Well, 3,000 people were baptized that day. They heard the message and they obeyed. They followed it. As I said before, this wasn't an isolated instance because they were so bad or they needed something that we didn't need. No, they set the precedent or they established a pattern that would be followed throughout the New Testament church, that when people believed, they repented of their sins and they were baptized in Jesus' name. When the Samaritans believed what Peter preached, when, when the Samaritans believed what Philip preached, they also were baptized. We see that at Acts 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, both men and women were baptized. We see it again. We see it again with the disciples of John at Ephesus. They heard that Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecy that the, that the, the prophet they followed, John the Baptist, when they heard that, they were baptized. Now, these were people who already believed because John the Baptist, who was Jesus's cousin, he came on the scene and he was already preaching the Messiah's coming, repent, get ready. And so they believed and they were baptized. And scripture says it was a baptism unto repentance, but they hadn't applied the name of Jesus, that saving covenant name to their lives when they were baptized. So they got rebaptized this time in the name of Jesus. Acts 19 verses four and five tell us, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, John's disciples, his followers, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Here's, here's one I want to share something with you, um, and uh, I just I want to connect from my heart to your heart. Some people, some people will say that baptism, it's just an outward sign of an inward faith, okay? Baptism is simply going public with your faith and letting other people know that that's, that that's what happened. But I want you to know it's so much more than that. Because we express faith by confessing that name. 
When we speak the name of Jesus over us, every power, every privilege, every authority of the name of Jesus is then is then conferred over us, okay? And we are able to walk in the power and the newness of life in him. And in each one of these instances that, that I just shared with you, I'm just giving you examples. I'm just walking you through scripture. And I know I'm, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not walking you through. I'm probably jogging through scripture. So, <laughs> so you may want to get your Bible and go back and listen to this again. And just, just track with me that way. Uh, but in each one of these cases that were cited, every person expressed their faith in Jesus by being baptized in the name of Jesus. Because in Acts 2.38, it tells us baptism is for the remission of sins. Here, here's what you need to know. At repentance, you are forgiven. When you say, Lord, forgive me, you're forgiven. At baptism, though, your sins are washed away forever. That's what remission means. They are placed in the sea of forgetfulness, never more to be remembered. As far as the east is from the west, your sins are no longer applied to your life. Acts twenty two sixteen 16 commanded them to be baptized and wash away their sins. Now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You see, there is something supernatural that takes place in those waters. It's not simply symbolic, But our sins, they're washed away. They're never remembered again by God. And Acts 10, 43 declares that it is through his name that remission of sins will come. He is the one of all, he is the one all the prophets testified about. He's speaking of Jesus, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. You see, our sins are forgiven when we ask, we ask God to forgive us. Our sins are remitted or washed away at baptism by invoking the name of Jesus in faith over us. We, we see that in scripture that in Acts 2.38 and Acts 22.16, they specifically connect remission of sins with water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that baptism is part of our personal identification with Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 3 says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Galatians 3, 27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Listen, baptism is the way that you that you become his in that regard. You are putting on Christ. You are baptized into him. If we want to be baptized, if we want to identify with Jesus, then we need to be baptized into him. And the way we are baptized into him is by taking on his name when we are baptized. Throughout the book of Acts, this pattern is established that anytime somebody believes, that person repents, that person is baptized in the name of Jesus, and that person receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I, I would tell you that today, that pattern is still true today for the church to follow. I want us to read Acts chapter 4, 
verse 12, it says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Baptism is part of our salvation experience. It's not, baptism is not, um, it's, it's not the act or the work that we do. It's our response to the, to the grace of God and it's our obedience to his commandment. And the name of Jesus is the only name that is given to us for salvation. Baptism is part of that new birth by which we are born into the spiritual family of God. Baptism is part of spiritual circumcision or the initiation into the new covenants when our hearts are cleansed and made new and made whole. See, under the old covenant, a male child officially received his name when he was physically circumcised. That was the old covenant. That was when he got his identity. That's when he was told who he would be. Names were very significant. Names, and many times your destiny was wrapped up in your name and and certainly what your parents hoped and prayed and believed that you would be. And water baptism for us is the time when our new family name, come on somebody, our new family name is invoked over us because it's our spiritual circumcision. Another way to look at it is this way. The conversion experience, baptism is a part of the conversion experience. Um, You can look at it as an adoption into the spiritual family of God. A newly born or adopted child always takes on the name of the new family, right? That's what's happening. And the analogy you may be even more familiar with, since we seek to become part of the bride of Christ, we take on his name in baptism. In connection with these last two points, the identifying name of our spiritual family is Jesus. And I'm going to give you at least two reasons. First, it's the only name in which we can receive salvation. And so we've, we've already talked about that. And second, it is the supreme name by which God has chosen to reveal himself. I'm going to read to you from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. Therefore, God has also has highly exalted him, he's speaking of Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Colossians 3.17 also tells us, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all, somebody say all, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now this verse, it doesn't require us to pronounce the name of Jesus orally before every activity. It doesn't mean we're walking around just saying the name of Jesus, but it deals with the power by which we conduct every activity. There's a distinction there. When there is a cause to invoke God's name formally, when you're trying to get God's attention, when there, is, when there is an opportunity that you need to speak the name of God, the good news is he's given you that name. The good news is you can speak that name over every significant 
activity, every significant spiritual movement in our lives. Um, And certainly in the process of water baptism, this verse applies in a very specific way, telling us to come to God in the name of Jesus. You know, think about it. When we pray, uh, when we when we pray for the sick, um, we lay hands on them. We cast out demons. We do all of this in the name of Jesus. So certainly, certainly we should baptize in the name of Jesus because there, there is where the power of God lies and there is where the identity of God lies and there is where our connection and our relation to him lies because we are buried with him. We take on his name. We become part of of what, uh, part of this beautiful body of Christ, the bride of Christ, we become part of all of that. And so using the name of Jesus when we are baptized, it expresses faith in the person of Christ, who he really is, in the work of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation, and in the power and authority of Christ in his ability to save us by himself. Now, just before we wrap up, um, some of you may be thinking, wow, she's just given us a whole lot of scriptures. That's a lot of information. And um, maybe I need to get baptized. It kind of sounds like I might need to get baptized. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more what that would look like? Because I, I just, I don't want to be taken by surprise. I don't want to, to be afraid. Well, absolutely. When you choose to be baptized, what happens is wherever you choose, um, if it's here, we, what we do is we, we baptize by immersion, okay? And so that means you go into a body of water. You stand there, and there are people there helping to support you <laughs> to make sure you don't fall down, you don't get hurt. Don't worry, you don't, you won't get held under. Um, there's, there's, there's none of that um, silliness going on. What happens is you are, you are given the opportunity to confess your faith. You know, we make sure, hey, do you believe this? So then, at that point, the prayer is prayed over you, and you are taken under the water and brought right back up. Just as we are buried with him in Christ, we are then raised back up out of that water. And you may ask, why did God choose immersion? And what, what do I mean by immersion? To why do we why do I have to be fully, fully covered in water? We don't sprinkle. Uh, why do you do that? And why did God choose that? We do that because we believe that was, that was the pattern. That's what you see throughout scripture. Why did God choose that? And the answer is, um, I believe, is that it unites us with Jesus Christ in his death and in his resurrection. He died, he was buried, and then he rose again. And that's what we see in baptism. It's that plunging beneath a burial of sorts and then a rising again. It's a beautiful picture of giving everything to God. And it's an amazing part of, of that belief and of that repentance. And we come back up and we are new creatures in him. And so you may ask, well, what if I've already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You know, what, I, what do I know? Like, I, I know that I've already done that. So do I need to be baptized? Because I've already received that promise that Peter s- spoke about. And so we know that scripture promises that when we repent and, we bab- and we're baptized in Jesus' name, we will receive the gift. But I will tell you, sometimes sometimes it doesn't happen in that order. And you may say, well, God said if you do this and this, then this. Um, 
here's what I would say. I would say that maybe, um, I would say that if God commanded these things, um, if this was commanded in scripture, then we just need to do it. We need to obey. And it's not so much about a formula or step one, step two, step three. Our Western checklist mind likes to think that way, but it's about relationship and it's about this is what, this is what scripture says to apply that gospel to our lives. So, you know, maybe you've already, you have belief and you've already repented and maybe you've already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is still for you because that is where the covenant name is applied to your life. And that is where you have the opportunity to take on all that power in the name of Jesus and have your sins washed away forever. I know I've shared a lot of information and I hope that it has resonated with you. I know you may have a lot of questions and I'm going to get to that here in just a moment, but I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit right here, right now. And I'd like for us just to pray, open our hearts to him. Can we do that? Why don't you close your eyes right where you are? If you're comfortable to do so, why don't you lift your hands and surrender to him and ask him right now to bless you in this moment and to draw you closer to him. Dear Lord, we worship you. Lord, it's, it's, never, it's never pleasant to talk about our sins or, or it's never pleasant to hear that, we are, that we are sinners and that we are in need of someone else to save us, that we can't do it on our own. But Lord, I'm so grateful that the gospel message doesn't end with that. The gospel message, it just begins with that. It brings us to the knowledge that you came to this earth, Jesus Christ, through your death, your burial, and your resurrection, that we can experience, that we can apply your death through repentance, we can apply your burial to our lives through water baptism, and that your resurrection, we can experience that through receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice. Lord, if there's someone who needs to be baptized, maybe they've been fearful, maybe they think they aren't good enough, maybe they think, think they aren't perfect enough yet. Lord, I want to speak to that right now. I speak against that spirit of fear and doubt and unbelief. And I just call forth, Lord, your grace and your mercy to help every person listening to see that it's not our goodness. It's not our saving. It's, it's not anything within us that can save us. It's only your mercy. And that when we are at our very best, it's still, there's nothing we can do. So, so any one of us, any of us, none of us are worthy, but it's your blood that makes us worthy. And so baptism truly is for everyone. There is no reason to feel like you can't be baptized or you can't take that next step in your faith. Lord, I pray right now for every person. Let faith arise. Let them step out in bold faith and desire to be baptized. For those who already have, help them, give them a boldness in their spirit to share this saving gospel message to other people around them who need to hear it as well. Lord, we thank you for forgiving us of our sins. We thank you for leading us to you. Thank you for the faith that knows that you're the only one that can save us. And we will give you the praise and we will give you the glory in Jesus' name. I wonder if you can just right now praise him where you are. Thank him. And if he is working in your heart, 
I'm challenging you right now, do something about it. Do something about it right now. If you can, if you can pull out of what you're, how you're watching right there on our website or even in the, in the chat comments, there's a link right now to the Connect cards. You can click right on that or you can do that on our website. You can reach out to us, and that way you could send, send an email. Contact us however you need to get in touch with us, but contact us. We want to help you. We want to pray with you. We want to, to, for you to be baptized uh, sooner than later. As soon as you are ready, we are ready to baptize you. So reach out to us. Why don't you take a step of faith? You've heard the word preached to you tonight. Why don't you act on it? Why don't you act on it? Here's, here's what I want to leave you with. If the people, if the people who shed the blood of Jesus, if the blood of Jesus could be applied to them in baptism, certainly, certainly, certainly you can receive everything that Jesus Christ has for you. So I challenge you, I encourage you to step out in faith and do that. Fill out that connect card, reach out to us, connect with us and let us know how we could support you. And we trust that we will see you for service this Sunday. We'll be back here in person at 1030 a.m. We'll also have online services at 10.30 and at 7 p.m. on Sunday. God bless you. We're praying for you. We love you. Have a great week.